For player profiles, in-depth features, and exclusive interviews, visit sfhandbook.com to learn more about the best young football players in the world. Hello and welcome back to the Scouted Football Podcast with me, Joe Donoghue. Uh, thank you to everybody who has been signing up to the Scouted Patreon lately. Uh, it's greatly appreciated and, and hopefully if you're one of those people, you've been enjoying the Under-19 Euros content, the transfer series and of course the Unfiltered podcast episodes as well. Uh, Steve and Lou, who've been on quite a few of these recently, are doing an excellent job on there, uh, along with the various excellent expert contributors on a wide range of topics. Um, speaking of expert contributors, though, I'm delighted to welcome Henry Nichols, uh, creator of footballindenmark.com, to the Scouted Pod. Um, as you'd expect, Kenny keeps a keen eye on Danish football, in particular the Danish Superliga, which is a very, very intriguing league from a youth development and scouting perspective, uh, and not just because it tends to be a top flight which affords plenty of opportunities to young players. Uh, but we'll get on to why that is shortly. First off, Henry, welcome to the pod, a, a scouted debut. Haven't had one of those in a while. How, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Um, I, I, as I mentioned to you before, you know, I've been uh, been following what you've been doing at Scouted Football for a while. I've uh, got a number of the handbooks. I listen to the podcast. So, yeah, it was a real pleasure when you asked me to come on and uh, delighted to talk about Danish football. Yeah, it was. Um, I spotted you on, on. Was it BBC Radio Sussex? Uh, and uh, you were talking about um, Adingra, um, who obviously Brighton were, were linked with. And uh, immediately, I thought. I've been trying to do a Danish episode or a Danish Super League episode for a while, but I've been sort of struggling to find somebody who I thought was quite suitable. And, uh, and there you were, you just popped up on my feed. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a real pleasure to, to be able to get this one on the way. Um, in terms of sort of your, your footballing background and sort of getting into following Danish football, how, how did you get into becoming sort of, you know, setting up football in Denmark.com? Yeah, so I mean, I've been a football fan my whole life. I've had an Arsenal season ticket for for twenty seven, twenty eight years. So yeah, I'm extremely familiar with Premier League football. I've watched a lot of Serie A in my time. Um, but how I got into Danish football was a slightly strange story. So it was about four four or so years ago. I was minding my own business on YouTube. Um, up popped uh, a, a documentary, and I guess the algorithms know me so well that, that they must have known that this uh, documentary would resonate with me. But it was um, a piece on Thomas Delaney, uh, who was the, the FC Copenhagen captain at the time, had come through the Youth Academy. And it was a, a documentary on his um, uh, penultimate season at FC Copenhagen. And I guess what struck me first was his name. I thought, is this a, is this a, a player from the UK with, with, a, with a name like Thomas Delaney? He hadn't come onto my radar before. And, uh, you know, qu- quickly understood he's, no, he's Danish. I think he has a, an Irish uh, grandfather. But um, it was just a, a very eye-opening look into the league. There was so much passion, so much intensity in the football. Uh, great spectacle for the derbies, you know, with huge TIFOs and pyro and um, really sort of big engaged crowds uh, and so I set about trying to learn more about the league and what struck me was there was just no English language coverage really there was you know an article here and there but there was um, there was no one covering it in English and so I guess that kind of sparked a curiosity in me to, to know more and kind of when I found out no one was covering it I thought well perhaps there's other people like me who are sort of interested in the league and wanted to um uh, understand a bit more. So I, I started sharing what I was discovering and uh, it seemed like there were a fair few people who were also interested. So 
as time's gone on, I've watched more and more. And this past season, it's become a lot easier to watch. There are there are two or three free to air platforms that show all the games, so you know you don't need to hunt around on betting websites anymore for tiny uh, tiny screens. You can uh, you can watch them all on on TV and in, in HD. So. Yeah, that's been um, fantastic getting into that. And I think, as you say, the focus on developing developing players is something that you know, has obviously been ingrained in me as an Arsenal fan. Uh, but it's something that I really enjoy about the league, that you can see lots of these top talents before they sort of make their debut in a top five league. Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a safe space, I can assure you, Henry, um, in terms of uh, we've done plenty of Scandinavian episodes and in terms of people who will also be interested in in the league. Um, I think, yeah, we do get a, a fair share of people who are just very curious to know more about a, a division or a country which they haven't um, they haven't come across before or haven't haven't really given a real forensic insight into um and i'm certainly one of them um in terms of sort of like the competition history and and you know how how the the league is formatted it it's it's quite similar to a, a lot of european leagues in in the sense that it, it has a championship round you know where the, the the top you know six or so teams go into um at the end well about three quarters of the way into the season um, you know what is the what, what is the, the the competition history? You know who are the, the typical title winners? You know who are the strong, stronger teams? Who are um, you know who have been the surprise packages of late? And and how does that that championship round work? Yeah, so I think the first thing to to note is that Danish football actually took a really long time to go professional. Uh, the league didn't turn professional until. 1978 um and and obviously had a huge amount of fantastic players around that time and so uh r- really it's been since the, the the late 70s or early 80s that that things have kind of grown on a domestic level um and i guess a bit like the premier league the super league you know as a brand kind of became the new top flight league uh, in the beginning of 1991 uh started off with 10 teams uh and between then and now we've had as many as 14 teams but that the kind of the most recent um, uh, format is 12 teams, um, which uh, it went to in 2020. And so now what happens is those 12 teams, they play 22 rounds. So everyone plays each other twice. Uh, and then the league splits into the championship group, which is the top six, and the relegation group, which is the bottom six. And I think what that what that means is that actually there are very very few dead games. You know, in a, in a traditional league system where you'd have uh, where you'd have everyone just playing each other twice, that the, the mid table gets a bit boring towards the end of the season because there's nothing to play for. And, you know, the players are perhaps heads on the beach. Um, whereas here there's always something to play for. So in the championship group, uh, the, 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 the top, uh, top three or four, depending on coefficient, uh, can get a European place and whichever is the bottom European place in the championship group, uh, play a playoff against the top team in the relegation group for that final European place. So that means that there's a bit of a carrot for those relegation teams to, to try and finish top of the group and the bottom two teams in the relegation group go down. There's no, um, there's no sort of interdivision, uh, playoff for that. Uh, and I think that the Superliga as a league is really going from strength to strength, you know, particularly since the pandemic, uh, attendances have gone up in a really big way. Um, last season, both FC Copenhagen and Bronby, the two kind of traditionally big teams, uh, have broken season ticket records. So there is real, um, excitement about the league and, and supporters coming back to the stadium in big numbers. In, in terms of who are the traditional winners, uh, FC Copenhagen, didn't start life until 1992. So they're a relatively new team. Uh, and prior to that, Bromby were uh, by far and away the most successful team in the country. Uh, actually, their supporter base is spread all throughout, 
throughout the country almost as a result of the the success they had in the 80s um number of fantastic players uh, as an arsenal player obviously john john jensen uh, the the 1992 hero uh was a, a bromby guy but um since 92 uh, fc copenhagen have really uh, dominated proceedings um I believe they've won uh, is it 14 titles now i have to have to double check that but um but they uh, are in a real period of dominance and this season gone won the title for the first time in in uh three seasons so yeah, the, uh, the, between them and Bromby and Michelin, I'd say the the title races tend to be made up of those three teams um, in in some shape or form. Yeah, very interesting. I, I actually didn't know that 1992 was when when Copenhagen were, were founded or, or formed. That's that seems very strange to me, given that 92 was the year that Denmark obviously won the the European Championships, and um, you know to think that one of the country's now biggest clubs and you know the, one of the teams that um, competes in Europe quite so frequently um and and is correct me if i'm wrong but parking stadium is the the national team stadium as well um, yes so, so that their formation was was um i think linked to to parkin so uh the, the, obviously the stadium was built in copenhagen and um that this uh this new team was that it wasn't created from nothing it was a, a merger of two teams so uh, kb and b 1903 who were two sort of historic teams uh and it was I've spoken to a few fans about this. It's funny because if you've supported one of those teams, you tended to kind of go on and support FC Copenhagen. But the the team in '92 was made up primarily of B1903 players, but with the kind of the colours of KB. Um, so yeah, it was a, a strange situation. But they've been at Parkin since then, uh, and t- they won the title in their first uh, first full season in '93. Um, but then after that, I think it was close to a decade for them to win the next one so uh it that they took a bit bit of time to get going all right okay very interesting um b1903 rings a bell for some reason i can't seem to remember but um i feel as though a former premier league player definitely will have played for them probably before 1992 and i'm sort of looking at the the old premier league sticker books in my head <laughs> um, with the sort of the career history down the side um but we'll we'll get on to we'll get on to um more more present day stuff and um Looking at sort of academy setups and, and and smart scouting per se, you know, there's there's two clubs in particular who fit that that bracket, and um, one for each. I think it's fair to say, um, one that we're we're very familiar with uh, and very fortunate to have had contact with it at scouted, and um, it's uh, we'll start with with FC Nordsjælland, um, who are, are obviously owned by the Right to Dream Academy. Um, which is, you know, an, an incredible uh, system of of scouting and, and nurturing young players in in Africa, uh, bringing them to to Denmark and then, um, you know, blooding them in the in the first team in in the Danish Superliga. And it's been an incredibly um, holistic and an incredibly uh, fruitful um, pathway into professional football for for several players. Um, and it's not just a case of, you know, setting players up for a life in professional football. You know, there are, um, you know, there, there, there are initiatives and, and scholarships, um, particularly in the US, where these players are, are brought into the Right to Dream Academy. They're educated and then um, they are, you know, they, they, they go on to play maybe college football in the US if they're not going to make it professionally in Europe. So um, it's, as I say, a very, a very holistic approach. I mean, Henry, you'll probably know a, a, a touch more than, than me on this. But I mean, what is the... What is the, the the overview of, of Right to Dream and, and Nordsjælland in Denmark? I mean, I think it's such a it's such a unique story in football. You know, for for a, um, an African academy to buy a European team, I think it's the first time that ever happened, um, and that that was in 2015. And I I think I think I'm right in saying Tom Vernon, um, who, mm. who founded Right to Dream, 
uh, he'd been looking for a club somewhere in Europe that would be competitive for their, you know, really top players and at the same time allow them to to play first team football at 18 or 19, which, you know, in, in some leagues that, that just wouldn't be feasible. But they're, um, yeah, like you say, their whole approach is really interesting. I think that um, they've got these kind of three pillars to the Right to Dream Academy. So football, education and character. And I think that that tells you, you know, that this isn't just the kind of a football factory um, sort of churning out amazing players, but it's uh, it, it's intended to, to, to give all of their graduates, you know, um, a really kind of rounded uh, education in football and, and life. Uh, and, and as you say, um, the, the, the US college system is a big part of that. And I, I think I read 95% of their graduates go on to either be pro footballers or gain scholarships in the US. And w- w- what I what I love, re- I mean, there's a fantastic piece on the Right to Dream Academy, actually, in uh, uh, Scouted Football Handbook. Uh, I think it was number 10, um, Alex Collings did, did, did it. But um, it was, yeah, it, w- what I love about it is that a player's footballing ability doesn't get in the way of their um, opportunity to to perhaps pursue the college route. Um, you know, they're not encouraged to, to to go and play football if if they want to take the college route. And I think that that's really refreshing. Uh, th- the other thing that's interesting is that they, the way that they scout in Ghana, so that they go town to town and put on these kind of um, uh, uh, talent events. Um, and that enables them to cover the whole of Ghana each year. Um, somewhere in the region of 25,000 children. So it, it's a, a, a different approach to kind of sending scouts to, to watch matches, for example. And I think that that enables them to, to, to find some of these real top talents in Ghana. And of course, uh, I believe it was last year they opened a second um, African academy in Egypt. And so along with the, the academy in, in Denmark, they've got this lovely kind of trio. Um, and I think when players turn 16, uh, they come together uh, across those those three academies to play as one right to dream team in um, in, in youth tournaments. And, you know, to take a couple of players who, who, who did that the first time they that they uh, they tried that initiative in 2016, Mohamed Kudus and uh, Mikel Damsgaard. And, you know, they're both uh, that they went on to play two seasons together in the Superliga. And obviously Kudus is now at Ajax and Damsgaard's at Sampdoria. And I, I think that that's a, a really nice example of how um, how those uh, how the setup works. Yeah, I remember reading something in um well, I remember what I was reading. It was it was Alex Collins's piece in in volume ten, I think it was, of the the, the handbook, the one with Kamaldeen Suleimana on the front cover, um, who again is another alumnus of of the Right to Dream Academy and, and of Nordseeland. Um, now, of course, with Wren, um, it was it was about the um, sort of the integration of the the players coming from Ghana, but also the the, the players in. Um, Nordseeland's uh, Danish Academy, and essentially what you've just said there—you know, putting them into the same right to dream team—and uh, and and then they, they get to know each other from a very young age, so that when they become first team teammates, and I mean this is when they're still 18, 19, 20, because not you know anybody who hasn't done it before, when Nordseeland are playing, go through the squad list or go through the starting eleven. You will not find too many players over the age of twenty-three in there, um, but it, it just ensures that there's that that alignment and that, you know, the, the familiarity between the players um, who are ultimately like Damsgaard, like, like Kudus, who are going to be playing together in, in future, um, which is, yeah, I think it's, it's a very novel way of doing things, but it's, it's incredibly interesting. Um, and, you know, the, the, the list of alumni is, is, is incredible for, for something which has been going on a relatively short period of time. You know, there's even the likes of Mohamed Diomande, Isaac Atanga, um, 
who are, you know, players who are, you know, very, very exciting in their own right and will have very good careers. Um, but then, as you were saying as well, the with the 95% figure and speaking about um, US colleges, you know, there's so many that have gone over to the States and, and will do incredible things education-wise um, because they've been given this start. And the fact that that's linked to a, a top flight club in, in Denmark is, yeah, it's a very, very unique, unique concept. Um, and, you know, staying on sort of the theme of unique concepts, um, I think it's probably best that we, we discuss FC Midtjylland, um, who uh, some some fans of, of Western European football might be familiar with, given the um, they qualified for the Champions League for the first time a couple of years ago. I think they were in Liverpool and, and Atalanta's group uh, that year. Um, and, you know, they're, they're a team who, similar to, to Copenhagen, were formed from a, a merger in 1999. Um, and have, have risen since then. And in 2014, were, were acquired by um, Brentford owner Matthew Benham, who has a- applied a very similar approach at, at Midtjylland um, as, as he has done at Brentford or, or vice versa. Um, and it's hinged very much on creative scouting, um, you know, identifying players in maybe under underappreciated leagues or, um, you know, obscure regions and somehow being able to, to to integrate them into a team where they're able to compete in European football regularly. And it is a regular occurrence that Midtjylland are, are now in European football. Admittedly, sometimes that's only in the qualifying stages, but the fact that they managed to get to um, the uh, the Champions League group stages two years ago for a club of its size is is um, yeah is, is a huge achievement. I mean, Henry, in in terms of your perspective on Midtjylland, you'll you'll know more than I do. But I mean, what is the what is the sort of the the attitude towards how Midtjylland do things in Denmark? Yeah, I, I think they um, they're known as having quite a, an innovative approach, um, but by virtue of the the whole sort of. Um, uh, l- looking at statistics and numbers and and th- that kind of, for want of a better word, kind of like money ball approach. Um, they they pioneered uh, the, the the idea of set piece coaching. So um, I think it was uh, Thomas Gronemark, who's uh, obviously um, been famous for his work at Liverpool, uh, but he was um, kind of started out at, at Midtjylland and and gave them this opportunity to score tons of goals from set pieces. So I think like that's one example of it. But the the scouting and the academy side is another. Players uh, like someone who I'm sure you're going to become very familiar with, uh, Rasmus Christiansen, for example, um, came through the academy there. Uh, and the, their use of scouting has been really interesting. Um, so, for, for example, a player who I actually interviewed on the Nordic Football po- Podcast, um, Awa Mabil, uh, he's a player who they scouted from the Australian League, uh, which seems like a very um, unusual place for a Denmark club to be, uh, a Danish club to be scouting. Uh, and he's he's moved to La Liga this summer, but he um, he was a big part of, of their success recently. Um, a central midfielder they have at the moment, Evander, uh, is one of a number of signings they've made from Brazil. Uh, they've done some really excellent scouting in Brazil, but Evander is you know, arguably the, the best player in the league. I'm sure he's going to be moving on this summer or in January. Um, and then players that have sort of benefited as well from that, that link with um, Brentford. So uh Frank Onyeka for example moving last summer and r- really not looking out of place w- w- with quite a significant step up from the Superliga um you know even uh Brentford needing a keeper in January so that you know they called on Jonas Lossel uh and obviously Henrik Dalsgaard going the other way so I I, I think using that relationship with, with Brentford using um 
the 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 sort of statistical side of um uh, of the game and implementing some really smart scouting in uh places where other danish uh, other danish teams aren't perhaps scouting i think that kind of combination has really um seen them become one of the most competitive danish teams yeah just looking sort of down the the squad list at, at fc midtjylland and it, it is it, it's a it's a real melting pot of of players from all over the place uh, and players purchased from very different places um you know you've got the likes of pablo ortiz from america de cali in in colombia um quite a lot of brazilians which i'm i'm fairly sure um you'll have more to say about but you know the likes of evander um again born in 1998 so only just turned 24 but you know still a, a very young player but still very experienced um edward chilufia who is from uh scouted football fame of of maybe a, <laughs> from um, from previous under 17 and under 20 world cup tournaments with zambia uh he was signed recently from from Gardens in in sweden um and even the likes of you know rafael onyedika who was signed from fc ebede in nigeria and off the top of my head i can't remember who else has come through at ebede but it does ring a bell for some reason so there's definitely some other young players or young player alumni from from ebede but it again it shows that you know the scouting of um you know obscure regions um has not hindered midtjylland in 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 the danish super league and in the um in, in European football because they, they've gone from strength to strength as, as you've discussed. And I mean, yeah, there's, there's so many players there. I mean, Maroni from, from Atletico Mineiro, Junior Bramado from Bahia. I mean, there's loads and loads of players here from, from Brazil. What, I mean, is there, is there a partnership or is there, is there a particularly prolific scout that Midtjylland have got stationed over there? I don't know, to be honest with you. I just, I, 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 I have a feeling that they, uh, they've just seen the, the, the wealth of talent that's there uh, and obviously as a result of being uh, a fairly regular uh, European team uh, either in the Champions League or, or the um, Europa League they they can afford to, to to spend you know two three four million euros on a player uh, which many teams in the league can't um, and the players also can see that this is a very good pathway to to top level European football and then moving to another league. So I think it suits both parties really well to be scouting places like Brazil. In terms of, um, I mentioned earlier, the uh, sort of surprise packages, and this was something I was completely unaware of, but um, Henry, you kindly mentioned it before we started recording. That was that Silkeborg uh, finished third last season after being promoted the previous year. Um, what was the, the story behind that? Is is there a, is there a nice youth angle that we can we can get out of that as well? <laughs> well, th- th- there is to an extent. Um, the the architect of that success was their manager Kent Nielsen, who's uh, v- very famous in. Denmark for his playing career. Yeah, Aston Villa fans from the late '80s, early '90s will remember him. But he um, uh, he represented the national team, and he's managed a number of teams in in Denmark. He um, he actually won the title with Alborg in uh, 2013, uh, but he took over Silkeborg in t- 2019, and yeah, got them promoted last season. And to be honest with you, most people's predicted tables for for this season just gone had Silkeborg you know getting relegated probably my own did as well just because the step up from the first division to to the Super League is quite significant and they really took the league by storm uh it was uh, unbelievable really that they um I think they were only outscored by the top two uh and they took some big scalps they beat FC Copenhagen 3-1 uh and they've got this really interesting front three where uh Nicholas Hellenius uh sort of big um probably approaching veteran status number nine um, with two very dynamic wingers either side, uh, Sebastian Jorgensen, um, 
who's a player we're going to talk about later, actually, and Nikolai Valleys. And they're um, 22 and 25, respectively. So uh, possibly youth, uh, (laughs) possibly they count as youth. Um, But they've got a a brilliant right back, um, Carstensen. They've got uh, a a deep lying playmaker in Mark Brink. Uh, And the team is just fantastic to watch. They play free flowing attacking football. They, uh, their front three um, interchange positionally. Um, they score lots of goals that they've that they play on a synthetic pitch, which uh, is always a, a bit of a um, uh, an unusual quirk. Uh, and yeah, they they were really the story of last season. And by virtue of Michelin winning the cup, they they got their uh, conference league place upgraded to the Europa League. So uh, as I've said a number of times on uh, on uh, other platforms, I really think that they are going to catch some teams cold in Europe. I think they could be this season's Boda glimpse in terms of. Uh, in terms of the synthetic pitch, the free-flowing attacking football, and the fact that um, they won't have been on many people's radars last season uh, if they weren't watching Danish football closely. Yeah, that certainly could be a leveller, couldn't it? As we, as, as Jose Mourinho and, and uh, Roma found out at, at Bode Glimt last season in the Conference League. But yeah, that'll be very, uh, very interesting to see a team which is still very much in the early phases of getting back to the top flight, competing in um, European football. But yeah, that's that was a little storyline that I wasn't wasn't aware of um one that i was was obviously copenhagen um retaining the title or rather um reclaiming the title um last season um through with a mix of youth and experience i think it's fair to say um you know they, they had the likes of william burving who's who's 18 victor christiansen 19 um isaac bergman johannesson um who we've mentioned this podcast before from his time in sweden uh, and for his his deep family links to the, the to the potteries in England, <laughs> um, uh, and of course Jonas Vind, um, who left midway through the season to sign for Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga. Um, but it was a successful season for for, for Copenhagen, obviously re- uh, reclaiming the title. But you know, the in terms of the the number of teenagers in particular, the number of young players coming through and playing an integral role. Has that always been the case, sort of over the last few decades? Where while while Copenhagen have been, you know, a, a, a leading player in in Danish football, have they always been a, a club that, that brings through youth uh, as much as they they did last season? Uh- the answer to that is probably not. Uh, over the years, they, you know, a few notable names have come through. Players like uh, Andreas Cornelius, uh, who won the league with uh, Trabzonspor last season, uh, William Quist, uh, and obviously Thomas Delaney. Um, but it's only more recently, past sort of few years, that they've become one of the kind of premier youth setups in Scandinavia. And the whole thing started while uh, Starle Solbakken, who's now the Norway manager, was in charge. He's a he had sort of an Arsene Wenger esque um, role there in terms of you know uh, taking on all aspects of the club. And one of the things he he kind of instigated was this change in direction, trying to move to a model where they develop more players and buy fewer but perhaps better quality established players. Um, now, I think the, the the sheer number of youth players they used last season was probably exacerbated by the fact that there were two quite significant injuries. So, in in theory, the way that the way that I saw them setting up last season was was with quite an experienced spine, so kind of older, more experienced centre backs and centre mids uh, with more youthful players on the flanks. But what happened was the captain Zeka. Um, and uh, well, Zeka was ruled out for practically the whole season uh, with, I believe it was a knee injury. And his midfield partner, Rasmus Falk, who's also a very kind of experienced player in the team, uh, also missed large chunks of that. So you, you ended up um, uh, with more young players that, than was to be expected. Um, 
and I think that that kind of uh, th- that focus that we talked about also on, on youth has started to kind of bear some fruit. So um, obviously, when you change something like that, it does take a little while to come through. But the likes of Robert Skov, Mohamed um, Darami, and as you say, Jonas Wind have kind of shown the success there. And I think that there were some players this season breaking in uh, who you've touched upon who. Um, who are, are, are going to be the, the kind of the next in line, the next big kind of exports. Yeah, I think it's probably best that we we discuss some of those players in particular. And I, I mentioned Boving and, and Christensen, but why don't we start at the the younger end of the spectrum, the, the youngest of that. And uh, Rooney Bargi, um, whose name I do apologise if I've completely butchered, but um, he burst onto the scene, I think is, it's fair to say, last year as a 16-year-old, relatively new to the club, um, having only signed in, in 2020, but has been fast-tracked um, at club and international level. Um, he's already a, a Sweden under-21 international um, and made 13 appearances for, for Copenhagen last season, um, obviously a few of those from the bench. But, I mean, what was it about this this 16-year-old that, that meant that he was able to play for the, the best team in Denmark last year? Yeah, so um, on the name, there's a there's a hidden A. Uh, so it's Rooney Bardaji. Um, but I, I forgive you for for, for that um, uh, for that. Thank you. Very Thank you. Slight error. I'm not sure he will, but um, yeah, I, 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 I appreciate it. But um, but yeah, so I, I was actually lucky enough to be at his debut um, against oh, wow. Arut, um, and uh, FC Copenhagen put together a fantastic four part documentary about the year leading up to his debut, which has English subtitles. So I'd urge you if you if you're interested in his story to go and seek that out on YouTube. Um, but I think that he's really a, a perfect example of how uh, FC Copenhagen's growing reputation for developing talent enables them to take players from elsewhere in Scandinavia. You know, R- Rooney was, uh, uh, he was at his kind of hometown club, Malmo, um, and uh, w- was brought to the, the FC Copenhagen um, kind of youth setup and quite quickly was, uh, even at 15, w- was, was playing in the under-19 setup and looking very much like he was uh, above that level. Um, and the, the Super League rules state that you have to be 16 to, 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 to play. And so really the, the club were just waiting for him to turn 16 before they put him in the team. And sure enough, uh, he turned 16 a few days before uh, th- this game that I was attending, which was uh, Copenhagen against Aarhus uh, back in November. And um, sure enough, he was on the starting starting lineup for that game. Uh, and often with, when you have a young player who's a p- particularly known for being, you know, quite a flair player, dribbler, he's a, he's a left-footed right winger. Um, and I, I'm sure we can all think of uh, a, a number of very exciting, mm-hmm. d- diminutive, left-footed right wingers. Uh, but often, when players make that step up, and f- forgive yet another Arsenal reference, but I remember Reece, <laughs> I remember Reese Nelson looking fantastic for the Arsenal under 23s, and uh, you know, l- looking like a very sort of dangerous dribbler. And then when he made the step up, his game become uh, his game became much more conservative, uh, and lots of those things that made him special. He was almost it seemed like he was afraid to do. And so I was a bit, uh, I was sort of anticipating this this Rooney debut, wondering if we'd see lots of the, the kind of magic we'd seen on YouTube. And, you know, he got man of the match. He was unlucky not to score. And every time he got the ball, he was uh, really looking to show everyone what he was about. And he was taking players on. He was um, weaving around people. It was really remarkable, a remarkable debut. Um, and, uh, you know, full of confidence, full of tricks. And a week later, he scored uh, his first goal, a fantastic shot from outside the area into the bottom corner way at Alborg. Uh, and he continued to hold down a starting place uh, in a team that had a huge number of wingers. <laughs> uh, he held down that starting place for weeks to come. And I think that 
you know, it's worth bearing in mind that at the start of next season, he's still going to be 16. Um, so, you know, we really have to be patient and not expect too much from him. But he, he showed so much promise in what we saw from last season. And there's already talks about extending his contract. You know, I I, I just hope that he he spends a couple more years in the league to, to develop because um, I, I've, there's been a few examples recently where players have perhaps moved a little bit too soon. Uh, and I think that he's got all the ingredients to, to, to really be, you know, an elite player. Um, and so I, I'd love to see that that development continue at the, the, the pace that it's uh, it's gone so far. Yeah, it'd be really good to see him do something similar to what Mo Dorami has done or did at, at Copenhagen, where he you know, stayed for, for an extended period, um, perhaps a little bit longer than other people may have may have thought, um, and then moved to, to a club which was going to be focused on his development in, in Ajax. Um, you know, I think with, with Dorami, he was very much on, on our radar, scouted for, for a long while, um, and it was... It was pleasing to see that you know the the, the rush wasn't there to to fast track him to a, a, a I don't know a more competitive European league uh, or one with a bit more um, status and prestige. But um, mm. yeah, I think what what you said about the um, what you said about uh, the, how Copenhagen has maybe geared itself a little bit more towards um, becoming development orientated is something which will will stand them in good stead in, in trying to keep a hold of these players for a little bit longer. Yeah, I, I I actually have a, a slightly different perspective on Durami, which is that he actually started this season at Copenhagen and he was absolutely shooting the lights out. You know, he was he was scoring goals, he was terrorizing defenses, he broke into the, the Denmark team. And part of me thought oh, that this is this is his chance to really be the, the star of the team. Um I really hope that he stays for the season and then moves. And he, he you know, moved in the summer and he hasn't played a lot for Ajax this season, if I'm if I'm being honest. And so I do wonder how things would have panned out if he'd continued this, you know, what was looking like a a, a real star season um, had continued in Denmark. But I guess guess we'll never know. Yeah, no, that's a very fair point. Uh, I, I, to be honest, I'd, I'd probably delegate to you on, on that one. So might need to, to revise my Dorami takes. But um, yeah, I think, I mean, there's, that's what one way of looking at it is perhaps, you know, um, I'm going to call him Rooney because I've forgotten again how to pronounce his his full name. But the, there's the potential that Rooney wouldn't have had as many minutes as he did if if you know the Rami had remained. So when one door closes, another opens. But um, yeah, I think uh, no, that's, that's very fair. And you're talking about sort of the the, the team being pretty stacked in wide areas. Um, the Copenhagen signed Akin Kunmi Amu, who has featured a few times on this podcast when we've done uh, Scandinavian specials. He signed from from Hammarby. Um, and he's just a very exciting, explosive, uh, and when you're talking about diminutive wingers, um, he's he's very small, around five foot four, I think. But he's um, he really packs a punch. Is, have you had the chance to to watch much of him in Denmark yet? Uh, I mean, I was going to say he's got the most incredible goals to minutes ratio since arriving in Copenhagen. Um, but that's because he's only played 63 minutes all season and scored <laughs> one goal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he came in with massive fanfare, obviously. Um, J- Jonathan Fadugba on the on the Nordic Football Podcast, a g- good friend of mine, has been raving about him. So I was really excited to see him. Uh, and yeah, he, he's had really bad luck with injuries. And like I said, just played an hour of football this season. So we really haven't got to see... Uh, see him at all in in the Super League practically so uh, he's definitely one who I think is going to make a big impact next season you know I've seen pictures of him back in training already so I think hopefully with a full pre-season uh, and plenty of um, uh, plenty of football with uh, with European games etc I think that he's going to be a, a big part of that team. 
Good stuff. It's very good to hear. Uh, and the rest of us at Scouted will be very pleased to hear that he'll be uh, he'll be pulling up trees in Denmark as he was in Sweden. Um, and you you do this every year, but you you told me beforehand that you sort of you're, you're looking at your your players to watch, your ones to watch for for 2022-23 in in the Danish Superliga. Um, you've given me a list of three names who, again, all three I wasn't aware of beforehand, but now having done a very quick transfer market search, um, I'm excited as much perhaps as much as you are. Um, but they are, um, I'll, in fact, I'll let you introduce them one by one, but um, none of them playing for uh, the Champions Copenhagen, none playing for Nordsjælland or Midtjylland. Um, so yeah, nice bit of variety on this podcast. I like it. Yeah. Um, so first up is a, a winger from uh, Odense, 18 uh, year old uh, Jakob Broom. Um, he has really, uh, he was really central to uh, Odense's strong second half of the season. They had, they had a, Pretty poor first half of the season, truth be told. Uh, they wound up in the relegation group. But um, after the winter break, they looked much better. And he was a really big part of that. I think at 18, he's only really just finding his feet in senior football. Um, got four goals and two assists from 840 minutes uh, of action last season. So that kind of perhaps hints at some of the promise he offers. But he's um, yeah, he's a right-footed uh, winger, operates primarily as an inverted winger on the left. But you know he can also play on the right. And he tends to like to receive the ball uh, kind of at or just before the final third and drives down the flank. Uh, he makes use of his obvious talent as a dribbler and then often will cut inside and have a shot on his favoured right foot. Um, I think it's it's notable that he has a, a kind of shoot first mentality and uh, this has produced some really kind of wonderful goals, uh, actually at both club and international level. I think he's got five goals uh, from seven appearances in the Denmark under-19s. But his his strength as a dribbler really gives him the time and space to operate. I think if I was to be uh, sort of critical, his final ball is kind of part of his game that I, I guess, to my eyes anyway, needs some refinement. I think he often has got into situations where he's he's kind of correctly made the decision to pass, but maybe hasn't been able to find the right weight or or, or, or direction on it. Um, but I get a kind of uh, Pires-esque vibe from him as a kind of goal-scoring, right-footed left winger who has this sort of superb ability to dribble. He's got very nice vision. And I think that if his development continues on a, a similar trajectory to, to last season, I think that it promises to be a really a breakout season for him next year. Very, very good to hear. Yeah, he's not somebody who I'd come across before, but Jakob Broim, um, definitely uh, be keeping an eye on him. And as, as you were saying there, he's got a good goals record at um, club and international level. Um, so perhaps we might be seeing him in the, the Danish under-21 setup uh, as a sort of a late bolter, maybe maybe in the, the near future. But um, yeah, we do we do like wingers on this episode, don't we? Quite a few we've discussed. Um, it's uh, yeah, even even going to like the likes of Mikkel Damsgaard. Yeah. So um, moving on to the, the next one. Um, and it's it's a player at Silkeborg, uh, as we discussed earlier. Um, so the potential to be playing regularly in in European football this season. Um, Sebastian Jorgensen. I hope I pronounced that one better than Rooney's name. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's, um, he's he's a little bit older. He's 22, isn't he? But what's what's he all about? Yeah, so I, I mean, there are a fair share of tricky wingers in the league, and you know the likes of Rooney Bardaji, as you say, um, who kind of have incredible footwork and uh, on the ball skill. Uh, and so I mean this in no way disparagingly, but to me, Sebastian Jorgensen is is the the opposite of a tricky wing winger. Um, he's extremely direct, efficient, very ruthless, and part of what was uh, really the most exciting attacking trio in the league last season at Silkeborg. Um, 
and forgive this very clumsy comparison, but I, I guess think of uh, Kaká, for example, in terms of, you know, very direct runner, fast, you know, clinical finisher, has the ability to exploit space both wide and in central areas, but without that kind of usual trickery that you get with a, a Brazilian attacking midfielder. Um, so yeah, he, he's been he's been really interesting. Um, he primarily plays down the right hand side. Uh, he's left footed, and he finished the season with eleven goals. So he was fourth overall in the league, um, nine assists, which put him second overall, and sixty eight chances created, which was fourth overall. So incredibly productive. Um, he, he operates on the right. He's very adept at cutting in and shooting, as you might expect from a left footer. But his ability to dribble and 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 move at speed gives him the option to kind of go on the outside uh, and so defenders don't have that kind of easy way to to nullify him by just showing him showing him outside uh, and yeah he he was um he he was really part of that that super attacking uh, attack Brilliant stuff. Uh, I suppose that brings us to our final pick. Um, well, I say, ah, oh, it's, it's not mine at all. It's yours, Henry. Um, the final pick of your uh, your ones to watch in 22-23. Uh, and you've gone rogue, actually, with this one. You've gone goalkeeper, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, I like, like to throw in a keeper now and again, just, just to keep people on their toes. Um, and, you know, Bromby have a, a fantastic history of, of good goalkeepers coming through, you know, Peter Schmeichel and Thomas Kallenberg, to, to, to name a couple. Uh, but Mads Hermansen, uh, who's 21, he looks definitely to be the next off the production line. Uh, and really with Oliver Christensen departing Odense last summer for the Bundesliga, uh, at, at Hertha Berlin, Hermansen kind of emerged as the next big goalkeeping prospect in the league. And at 21, he's already represented Denmark at you know pretty much every youth level, um, which kind of shows some insight into the esteem that he's held in. And uh, Bromby went into last season as the the league winners, uh, and they they felt like a, a team in transition. You know, the, the the kind of prolific duo of Jesper Lindstrom and Mikkel Jura both departed in the the summer and winter windows and the keeper um, Marvin Schwab who'd been the, the title winning keeper left for, for FC Köln uh, and so that kind of left the door open for, for Hermansen to take the, the number one shirt and you know it's fair to say that he took the opportunity with um, I guess forgive the pun with, with both hands um, he, he only got five clean sheets which isn't really anything to write home about but I think the manner of his performance was really impressive you know he's got this exceptional presence for for a young goalkeeper um i listened to a podcast with him the other day where he talked about how he feels like that the captain on the pitch even if he's not wearing that the armband and i think for a, a 21 year old to to kind of have that um have that that mentality uh, says a lot about him and he finished the season with a save percentage of just shy of 72 percent, so that was fourth in the league so um re- really performing a, a a high level and I think that with a full season as number one under his belt and with Bromby shaking off what was quite a shaky start to the season to finish fourth and and take a place in the conference league I think that there's every chance that, that his development takes a further leap next season. Yeah that's um it's quite a, a list of former goalkeepers who uh, might have gone on to do bigger and better things uh, at Bromby there isn't it Peter Schmeichel being, being one of them um wonder if he can if he, if he can live up to those heights maybe score a goal or two getting in the box <laughs> at the other end of the pitch and uh, that would be quite a scene wouldn't it uh, and also goalkeeping puns as bad as they are are always always welcome on this podcast um so yeah 
the, uh, the the forgiveness is is all well. Um, but yeah, thank you to, to Henry for, for your insight on on Danish football, the Superliga, uh, academy setups, scouting, and, and everything in between. Um, I'd urge everybody who is looking to keep up with Danish football throughout the season to to get on over to footballindenmark.com or follow Henry on Twitter at at footballindk. Um, is, is there anything you'd like to plug or promote before we finish? Of course. Uh, not really. Only that if you've got a um, if you've got an interest in Danish football, do come and have a look at, at footballindenmark.com. Um, I, I created the website to try and put together some some longer form pieces. So I've, I did did a piece recently on the Copenhagen derby, looking at what that means to to fans on both sides of the divide, um, and uh, a n- number of other interviews and uh, and pieces if you want to go a bit more in depth into the league um so yeah come along follow me on twitter we're always happy to talk danish football and yeah um i'll be publishing the the 10 players to watch uh, on the website in the next couple of weeks so keep an eye on that and uh, i'll be going on the nordic F- football podcast um to do a full comprehensive season preview so if you're if you're interested in uh getting into the danish league it does it's not a summer league like the other scandi leagues but it does start in mid-july so you do have um uh, usually a, a month head start on the Premier League and Bundesliga and stuff. So if you if you're craving some competitive football, come listen to the season preview, get an idea of who's who, um, who to look out for, and uh, and take it from there. Yeah, definitely. You can find out who this season's Silkeborg is going to be. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye out for that um, that ten players to watch uh, article that you'll uh, you'll be publishing soon. Uh, but yeah, this has been uh, the Scouted Football Podcast with me, Joe Donahue, joined by Danish football expert Henry Nichols. Uh, do remember to check out Scouted on Patreon and stick around for another episode and under 19 euros review once that tournament comes to a close. That's all from us. Stay safe. See you soon. Bye for now. For player profiles, in-depth features and exclusive interviews, visit sfhandbook.com to learn more about the best young football players in the world.